Thank you, musicians. Appreciate your ministry this morning. Good morning. Welcome to church. It's, uh, my name's Mike Keating and I pastor this great church by the grace of God. And uh, if you're visiting with us for the very first time, we want to give you a warm welcome. We uh, have uh, uh, an amazing heart in our church to bless and to get to know you and to try and adopt you into our family, into God's forever family. So you're very welcome this morning. Today uh, is our Outreach Sunday and part of our tradition, the way that we do church life here is that uh, we do have buckets out the front which uh, is our little way of going into all the world because the buckets get taken to an office, gets taken to a bank account and that money goes all around the world. So that little walk is your little act of obedience to send a little bit of you around the world. Uh, We also rely upon the giving of our church and its members and we just appreciate your faithfulness there. We're just going to pray. Father, thank you for the giving, Lord, that which is done online, that which is done faithfully. We thank you, Lord, that you told us that we can prove you in this, that if we would give a tenth of our income, Lord, you said that you would open up the very windows of heaven to pour out a blessing that we could not contain it and there would be food in God's house, that there'd be no need, there's no lack. So, Father, we confess that that there's no need in this house, there's no lack in this house because of the blessing of our God and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we have been on a series on the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, this will be the last in that particular series. I almost felt like I ought to start it all over again because the more I go into the book, the more I like about what's in the book. It's an amazing, amazing book. And of course, it's the scientific experiment of a man who tried everything to find out what works in life, what's important. Uh, but the title of my sermon today is called The End of a Matter which is a good way to finish the service <laughs> series, the end of a matter. On, at 7 p.m. on October the 20th in 1986, a few thousand spectators remained in the Mexico City Olympic Stadium. It was almost dark and almost everyone else had gone home. The last of the marathon runners came stumbling across the, across the finish line. And the spectators heard the wail of sirens as, they had a, as he had a police escort. And the eyes all turned towards the gate when the lone runner, wearing the colours of Tanzania, staggered into the stadium. His name was John Stephen Akwari, although don't quote me in my Tanzanian. He was the last contestant. He was, he was last. He was last in a 26-mile competition. But he had fallen over, he'd hurt his leg quite badly and he was bloodied and crudely bandaged. He hobbled across the finish line. But as he did that, the spectators that were left all stood to their feet and they applauded and they cheered him on. And when he was asked, why did you bother to finish? He replied very simply, my country sent me, did not send me 7,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 7,000 miles to finish it. Family of God, let me tell you today that it matters not how you start. 
but starting's important. It matters not even how you run, although running's important. But what really matters is how you finish the race. It's finishing. Ecclesiastes says in chapter 7, I'll give you a broader context, but first take that we'll pause in. A good name is better than a precious ointment. You know your character's worth a lot, what people say about you. And the day of death is better than the day of birth. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of everyone. And the willing, the living, should lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of countenances a heart made glad. The heart of the wise is the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is the house of mirth. It's better to hear the rebuke of a wise man than to hear the song of fools. For like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. And this is also a vanity. Surely oppression makes even the wise foolish and a bribe can corrupt the heart. But, the be- but better is the end of a thing than its beginning. But better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And a patient spirit is better than a proud attitude. There is much truth here, and it's difficult to pick out one jewel of this treasure box of wisdom. But my last sermon is going to be the end of a matter. <laughs> so let me counsel you that there's power in finishing the race. Here's the counsel of finishing. It doesn't really matter how you start, although starting is important. What matters is that you finish the race. Einstein was four years old before he could speak and he wasn't even able to read a single word at the age of seven. Newton did very poorly in grade school and was expected to fail. Beethoven's music teacher once said of him, as a composer, he's completely hopeless. When a boy, Thomas Edison's teachers told him he was too stupid to learn anything. F.W. Woolworth got a job in a dry goods store when he was 21, but his employers would not let him wait on a customer because he didn't have enough customer sense. A Disney editor fired Walt Disney because he had no good ideas. (laughs) Enrico Caruso's music teacher told him, you can't sing, you have no voice at all. (laughs) Leo Tolstoy flunked out of college. Werner von Braun, the man who invented atomic energy, flunked ninth grade algebra. Louis Pasteur was rated mediocre in chemistry when he attended the Royal Academy. Abraham Lincoln failed over and over again to become the President of the United States of America. Louisa May Alcott was told by one editor that she shouldn't write anything that would ever have popular appeal. Wilma Rudolph was the 20th of 22 children. She was born prematurely and her survival was doubtful. When she was four years old, she contracted double pneumonia and scarlet fever, which left her with a paralyzed left leg. At the age of nine, she removed the metal leg brace that she'd been dependent on for walking for many years and she began to stumble around. By 13, she had developed a fairly rhythmic walk which the doctor said was a miracle that she could walk at all. The same year, she decided to become a runner. So she started running. 
Everyone told her that she is actually foolish. She ended a race and she came last. Next few weeks, next few years, every race she entered, she came last. Everyone told her to quit, but she kept on running. One day, she actually won her first race at the age of 17. Then another, and then she began to, began to run every race, she, every race she ever entered. Eventually, this little girl, who was told she'd never walk again, won three Olympic gold medals. Yesterday, as a church, as two church families, the Kelmscott Baptist Church of Christ and Champion Lakes Christian Church, we gathered to watch uh, Michael and Beth get married. And it was great. It was lovely. It's great when communities can gather like that to celebrate a relationship to come together. And you know, the first day of a marriage is great. But really what's awesome is when they're celebrating their six-year golden wedding anniversary and this couple are more deeply in love than they've ever been in their life. So the beginning of something's good, but more important is the end of the matter, isn't it? Because many people start off their first job or their first career or their first novel or their first relationship or their first date or whatever it might be. Starting's important, but even more important, according to the wisdom of the wisest man in the world, is how you finish. Better is the end than the beginning. There is incredible counsel with just finishing. Whatever you start, just finish it. And God will also give you the capacity of finishing. There is incredible power in endurance. There's incredible power in perseverance. Bear Grylls. Who likes Bear Grylls? I cannot watch that man. He has an un healthy appetite <laughs> look i can take on camembert i can take on sardines you know i can take on little caramel eclairs you know but the stuff that man eats is just sick man you know i draw the line i don't want to eat dead things <laughs> that have been cooked but bear grills as many as you would know is a committed christian and he has developed an international film career by being the ultimate dietary survivor he can eat and survive anywhere in the world in one episode he's been lost in the desert for for days although you always got to remember there is a cameraman filming this <laughs> he's been lost in the desert for days he's out of food and water his lips are parched his tongue is swollen his legs are bruised he's been bleeding from crawling his skin's been scorched by the sun he's been bitten by insects pricked by cactus thorns he's in a mess and he climbs over a sand dune thinking that if he doesn't find water or food soon he's going to die he gets over the sand dune and there's nothing there and he sighs and he says you know a few more days of this and i might get discouraged <laughs> sooner or later all of us have to find that there's power and continuing and continuing on when it's hard. I'm fascinated these days. People just don't like to do hard. They want everything easy. They want to have a terrific physique like me, which you can get by sheer neglect and laziness and eat whatever you like. Or we could take on someone who's got real muscles and real apps and, you know, the keg. No, I've got the keg. 
the six-pack. <laughs> you, you don't get that by doing it easy. Everybody wants life easy. They want an easy job. They want an easy marriage. They want an easy life. They want an easy school. They want an easy Christianity. Guys, there's a devil out there who's big and strong and he wants to snot you one. He wants to hurt you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to steal from you, to maim you, to get you to limp for the rest of your life. He wants to destroy you. But you see, here's the key. God will help you win if you just persevere. If you just keep on, you will find a strength beneath your winds. You will find the, le- the lame limbs are strengthened and you will be able to do more than what you could ever possibly believe. Sooner or later, you and I are going to trip over and stumble and even run, run off course. Isn't that true? It's the human dilemma. We want to run. We would like to finish, amen? But we grow weary and tired and distracted and disappointment. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, seeing we are surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off everything that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run like we're going on a cruise. Let us run like I do the five-meter dash. I am brilliant over five meters. Over many years, I did quite well as a squash player because the truth is most of squash is a five-minute dash. If I have to run 10 metres, I'm dead. (laughs) But five minutes there and five minutes there, I can keep on going. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and protects and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all he went through and what he endured from sinful people and you won't become weary or give up. Great advice, isn't it? Today is a bad day to quit. Turn to your neighbour and say, to them, today is a bad day to quit. Turn to your other neighbor and say, today is a bad day to quit. Hal Oxley was one of the great uh, generals of the uh, early move of the uh, Holy Spirit within our nation and established one of the lighthouse churches in Melbourne many years ago. Uh, he's now gone on to be at the Lord, but he was a um, he was actually a colonel in the army. Uh, World War One fought in Gallipoli, uh, led troops and whatever. And he tells a story of uh, how they were in a really bad place, uh, uh, dug down in this uh, particular area, and they'd ran out of water, they'd ran out of ammunition. It looked pretty hopeless. And they're all talking about maybe we should actually just surrender. It all looks hopeless. And he said to his troops, as I said, today is a bad day to quit. And so they did another day. The next day, the Turks put up a white flag and resigned. Absolutely amazing. You know, the greatest military defeat that the British Allied forces have ever suffered wasn't uh, Gallipoli, 
which uh, we'll look a bit with the Anzac Day tradition, but it was actually the fall of Singapore, the Battle of Singapore. In 1942, uh, 30,000 Japanese troops took on 100,000 British and and Australian troops at Singapore. The general writes, Tomoyuki Yamashita, apology to all our Japanese friends, he says this, my attack on Singapore was a bluff, a bluff that worked. I had 30,000 men and was outnumbered more than three to one. I knew if I had to fight for long, I would be beaten. That is why I demanded a a surrender at once. I was very frightened all the time that the British would discover how our numerical weakness and our lack of supplies and they would force me into disastrous street fighting. Friends, today is a bad day to give up. We have an enemy out there who's been stripped of his weapons. He's actually defeated. He's actually defeated. He's actually defeated. And all you need to do is not give up today because he'll give up tomorrow. The Australians have won a gold medal in speed skating. It's like we've got ice everywhere. Yeah, it's the story of Stephen Bradbury, isn't it? It's one of those amazing stories. Australia's first gold medal winner at a Winter Olympic Games. He was not known for being a great speed skater. In fact, you might say it was an accident waiting to happen. In 1994, he got a serious cut to his leg at a World Skating Championship and he almost bled to death. Lost four litres of blood and required 111 stitches. In 2000, he crashed headfirst into the boards while training and broke his neck. He chose to defy the doctors who told him that if he ever skated again, he risked permanent paralysis. And his stage has come back in time for the 2002 Winter Olympic Games in Salt Lake City. Steve Bradbury was, in the commentator's professional opinion, the least likely person to ever win a gold medal at any game at any time. And yet he won. And you know the story. Everybody else fell over. (laughs) And he got to the finishing line and he says, I'm still standing up. (laughs) I've just won the race. Friends, sometimes we've just got to hang on. Today is a bad day to quit. And the better is the end than the beginning. So that is the capacity for finishing the race. And let me just tell you short, briefly about the celebration of finishing. See, one day we do get to go home. In uh, less than seven weeks away, Jeff and Sue Smith, our missionaries to Pakistan and Afghanistan for so many years, who have lost staff to martyrdom and to terrorism, corruption, They've just lived the amazing... They will write books one day about these people. They'll be returning home in about seven weeks, permanently. And when they come home, we ought to give them the best welcome ever possible. Because sometimes churches do this really badly. Uh, You know, they get off the plane and there's no one there. They get off the boats and it can be a really difficult task to come home. So just put that in your note. Make the note... Jeff and Sue will be home soon and they're coming home to family and we want to give them an incredible welcome back home. At the airport, we'll, we'll, 
Well, we'll think about it because sometimes after you've been travelling for 12 hours, you haven't shaved, you haven't brushed your teeth and <laughs> you're feeling a little bit smelly, the last thing you want. But we'll, we'll think we just want to do it well, really well. Uh, they bought a home here recently. God's blessed them with that and we want to probably do some work around the house and get some things ready and help them furnish and all that sort of stuff. But even coming home to Australia is still not home, is it? Yeah, one of the most fascinating books of the Bible is the book of Job. And uh, here we have this man who God's boasting on. Yeah, have you seen my, seen my mate Job? He's really good. He's the most righteous man. And the devil says, no, he's not. He'll curse you. He's only into you, God, because you bless him. If you take his blessing away, he'll curse you to your face. Oh, well, you want to bet? Let's go for it. And so for 42 chapters, he has trouble. And we get to the Hollywood ending, don't we? Where he gets back everything and all the rest, but he still lost 10 children. Still lost his health. He went through hell, absolute hell on earth. And I don't know. I've never had to bury a child. I think for a parent that would have to be the hardest thing to do. I want my children to bury me. They've tried several times, but but (laughs) wait a little while. (laughs) Wait wait till I stop breathing. (laughs) Must be really difficult, isn't it? But you see, God has eternity up his sleeve. He does have an ace to play. No matter what cards are dealt you in life, doesn't matter how bad it's been, no matter what you've gone through, and whilst I can't cognitively figure that out, as we go through the struggles that we do with loved ones that go astray, with sickness, with the things that you and I have to deal with, Whilst my brain can't comprehend it, my heart tells me that God has eternity up his sleeve. And somehow, when we get there, we go, aha. And God himself wipes away the tears and becomes our joy and becomes our fulfillment. And it all makes sense then. Jesus will welcome you home. That's the final finish line. Do you remember when you did athletics as kids and they said to you what you've got to do? When you get closer to the finishing line, you need to actually put out your chest, you know, lean forward. Did they ever tell you that? Yeah, I was very good at that, about five metres, you know, just lean forward. I think, you know, in terms of our faith, we need to learn how to put out our heart put out our chest and lean forward into heaven, lean forward into eternity, into the high calling that God's got called for you. With uh, just quoting uh, Max Licato and from his book, The Applause of Heaven. This is what Max writes. It is what you've always dreamed of but never expected. It's having God as your dad, your biggest fan and your best friend. It's having the king of kings in your cheering squad. It's hearing the applause of heaven, and you will be home soon. You may not have noticed it yet, but you're closer to home than what you've ever been before. Each moment you step is a step taken. Each breath is a page turned. Each day is a mile marked, a mountain climbed. You are closer to home than you've ever been before. And before you know it, your appointed arrival time will come. 
and you'll descend the ramp and enter the celestial city. And you'll see faces that are waiting for you. And you'll hear your name spoken by those who love you. And maybe, just maybe in the back, behind the crowds, there is the one who would rather die than live without you. Who will remove his nail-pierced hand from his heavenly robe and lifts him up and he begins to applause. And he runs down the ramp and embraces you with an amazing hug and a beaming smile and shouts, well done, well done, welcome home. You see, that's why the end is better than the best beginning. One day we get to be with our Saviour. Eric Mozambini, Eric the Eel, came from Equatorial Guinea. He was an unlikely hero of the Sydney Olympic Games. This 22-year-old African had only learned to swim six months before and had practiced in a 20-metre pool at the, because there's no ocean or rivers in Equatorial Guinea. He learned to swim in a 20-metre pool and he had never swam more than 50 metres in his life. But by a special invitation of the International Olympic Committee that ran a program that permitted poorer countries with less facilities to participate even though their athletes would not meet the customary standards, Eric had a chance to enter the 100 metres men's freestyle. He had to compete with two others. The two other swimmers, unfortunately, were disqualified because they kept on breaking. So he had to swim the heat by himself. All he had to do was to get from one side of the pool to the other. The only trouble is, as Eric bravely jumped into the water and began to swim, he was good for 10 metres. And even at 20 metres, he still looked strong. But around about the 40 metres, people were now worried. He's now he's beginning to flail and to thrash around. It looks like he might drown. He has never swam this before. And so the capacity crowd got up on their seats and they began to cheer and to clap and to yell and to encourage him to go to the end. And he finally struggled through and got to the end dais and grabbed on for his dear life. <laughs> he finished. And the whole crowd erupted in applause because there's power in finishing. It really doesn't matter if you come first or last. It matters that you finish. It's better is the end than the beginning of a matter. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, it finishes this way. And if you read from a very free translation these days, if you read from a very free translation, we'll unpack the, um, the poetry of this particular section really well. But we miss a little bit. It, it's, it's having a bit of a joke at us. This is how it finishes. Please ask you chapter 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. So Mike, remember. While I'm still young, remember your creator. 
before the days of trouble come and the years approach you when you say, I have no pleasure left in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of your house tremble, now a free translation would help you here, but these are the keepers of your house. Okay. <laughs> these are the keep this these are the legs. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. I apologize for disrobing in church. That will come across really bad on the video <laughs> on, on the audio. So the trembers, the keepers of your house, and the strong men stoop. That's the, that's the arms, you know, the, the things that I used to have that are on the other side now. And the grinders cease because they're few. These are the grinders. See these things here? Attention, over, show me your grinders. <laughs> and the grinders are few. Those looking through the windows are dim. Here are the windows. <laughs> looking at these things here. <laughs> I need to start putting them on. Uh, and the doors of the street are closed, and the sound of the grinding face, so your ears are going, your mouth's closed. People rise up with the songs of birds, but now our songs are faint. We can't sing anymore. People are afraid of height. When people are afraid of heights, when I was a kid, you could take me to the Royal Show, you could take me to Universal Studios, Sam. I'd go on anything, man. I would go, I'd go on the biggest rides and stuff, you know. When they had those lines there that, you know, says you had to be tall and then I'd walk in like this, you know, bring it on. Now I reckon that Ferris wheel is looking a bit scary. Those merry-go-rounds, man, they go fast, you know. You get really dizzy on those. People die, you know. You, you start to change, you know. The almond tree blossoms. This is the head going grey. The grasshopper drags itself along, you know, the stick insect. And desire is no longer stirred, you know, your sex is gone, you know. <laughs> no desire. This is this is the Bible, guys. This will happen to you all. Sorry. And the people go to their eternal home, the mourners go down the streets. Remember, one day you will get like this too. That's why we think birthdays are a bit of a waste of time, because we're just celebrating the fact that you've managed to breathe for twelve months. <laughs> you've kept alive for twelve months. Remember him. Here's this incredible poetry. When the silver cord is severed, life is described here by Solomon with incredible precision. A silver cord. It's that she's precious, isn't it? Life is precious, but it's only a silver cord, and it can be broken like that. And the golden bowl is broken. This is the golden bowl. Before the pitcher is shattered in the spring, the pitcher, the wheel is broken and dust returns to the ground from which it came. And the spirit returns to the God who gave it. You are a spirit in a flesh bottle. And one day your spirit goes back to God. Remember that. If you can actually tattoo that on your heart, if you can actually laser beam that into your wisdom sense, that you'll hear that life is temporary and that you will one day go back 
to God, it will set you up for success over and over again. So smoke, all is smoke. Smoke and mirrors, says the teacher. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and he searched out. He set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched it out just to find out the right words. And he wrote down what was upright and what is, what is true. The words of the wise are like stakes, stakes in the ground, stakes to, to uh, plan out your life. These are the collected sayings like, Firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my child, of anything in addition to them. Because of the making of books, there's no end. And much study, where is the body? Doesn't it, Gary? Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all people. And one day, God will bring everything into judgment, including every hidden thing whether it is good or whether it's evil. It's great wisdom in understanding the end of the matter. Life's not about this. We're nothing more than a light bulb popping off into a cosmic universe of darkness. Here was Mike. Here was Mike's dad. Here was Mike's granddad. Here was Mike's great-grandfather. It was gone, 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 gone but we'll spend forever with our God. This morning I want to pray for people that may have started the race and you are discouraged. You thought that today might have been a good day to quit. I want to pray for you. I want you to see uh, you be charged and strengthened in the inner man that you would walk out of this place today knowing that you are more than a winner in Christ Jesus that you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, that if you will cooperate with God, he will get you to the other side. If you'd like me to pray for you right now, just put up your hand where you are now. We're just going to quickly pray. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's there's people. Quickly, quickly, we're going to just pray now. God bless you. Take the hand of someone next to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the word of God. Thank you for the word of God that's empowered by the Holy Spirit of God that you take truth and, Lord, you use it, Lord, to open up our eyes, Lord, that we might access in faith, Lord, the power that you provided through the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, your cross, Lord, transmits to us 2,000 years later, by faith, Lord, the strength to win, Lord, the power to overcome, Lord, the way to slay our giants. And, Father, I pray right now, that, Lord, you'd give my brothers and sisters the ability to do as the Apostle Paul championed in his own heart. The one thing I do in this race is I forget what lies behind and I now reach forward to my calling in you. Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, that you'd wipe back the past, the disappointment, Lord, the distractions, Lord, the words, Lord, the hurts, the the things that have happened, Lord, that are tripping up people in their race. Lord, I wipe it clean right now in the name of Jesus. May your blood, Lord, sponge it clean, Lord. Let it be whiter than snow. Let hyssop come right now and just erase lord the struggles of the past we close the door on yesterday 
And Lord, we reach forward in faith, Lord, to the door of tomorrow. And we open it up and we say, Jesus, lead us on. Help us to fix our eyes upon you, the author and the perfecter of our run and of our race. Lord, you promised us that you'll get us to the end. Lord, we thank you that better is the end of a matter than the beginning. Lord, better is the end of the marriage, Lord, when we get to the end than the beginning. Better is the end of our growth, Lord, than the beginning of our growth if we'll walk with you and trust you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, really important, really important. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him places trust in him. They need not perish but have eternal life one day we will die i'm sorry to tell you that most of us think that we will live forever and ever and ever and it'll never happen but one day the silver cord for each of us can break and we're no longer here and our spirit the inside of us then gets to go back to god and you want to go back and be happy about that you want to go back with the assurance that when you meet him that you're going to receive that welcome that I just described. Well done, good and faithful servant. And if you don't have confidence that that would happen for you, then here's, here's the incredible deal, the good news of the gospel. Not religion. Religion is a system of rules and of regulations of how you can make yourself good enough for God to like you. The trouble is you'll never be good enough for God to like you. The good news is God likes you anyway. God so loved the world that he gave his best. He gave his son. God likes you. God loves you. And he's made the way for you to actually come home. All is forgiven. You just have to come home. And for that, you've just got to give up self-rule. and Say, God, come and rule in my life. And uh, he will come. And you will be changed from the inside out. The Bible describes it's like being born for the second time. A whole new life and dimension will come to you on the inside. Bible says you must be born again. Without that, you cannot even see the kingdom of heaven. If you'd like me to pray for you this morning, then I would welcome that opportunity. Just everybody, just bow your heads now. Moment of privacy. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is your opportunity. This is your amazing opportunity. I cannot guarantee you that you'll ever get another chance like you've got this morning. You've been in a good place. You've heard some good words and the Holy Spirit's here right now. It might even be actually causing you to have some sort of a sensation. Your heart might be beating. Your, your, your palms might be sweating. And right now you're under the call of the gospel. And Jesus is calling you. What are you going to say? You're going to say yes today? You're going to say no. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'd like to become a Christian, then can you just lift up your hand right now? Be brave, and I'll look over this congregation. We'll see that, and we will just pray for the miracle of eternal life to become your portion. Just going to look across this congregation. We've got a few minutes here just to pause and to wait. We've done all of this today in order that you might hear that God loves you and that this is your moment. If you're here today, Pastor, can you pray for me? Just going to count down from five. And uh, if you'd like me to pray, four, here's your opportunity. No pressure, 
It's got to be a free will choice. Three, two, thank you, Lord. Father, I bless my brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you'll empower them, Lord, to be God's adoptive family, that wherever they go, there's the embrace of love and of truth. Lord, bless your people with an outstanding week in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing Oceans today, Crystal? We can? We can? Fantastic. Let's uh, finish this great song. Let's sing.